Okay, so you have a small business that you need to market, but you're not a marketer. So now what? Where do you start and what are you even supposed to do? Well, meet Engie. Engie is marketing software that simplifies marketing for small business owners. You can plan, organize, and get your marketing out the door and in front of your next customers fast. The best news? Engie is turning one on May 8th, so you can make marketing way more manageable for yourself for only $19 a month for your first year with the code BDAY. But don't wait. This offer ends on May 31st. Pretty Okay Podcast. <laughs> I'm Samantha Welker. And I am Taylor Holman. We're here. <laughs> kind here. of. Here. Air quote. We're here. We're, we're doing our first uh, virtual podcast, socially distanced podcast, I guess, uh, since all the shit went down. And they can't see you even though I can see you. <laughs> I'm like, I can see your face, but they are not reaping the benefits that I'm getting. <laughs> no, sorry. You guys aren't getting my dirty hair braless look. So we were just talking about where we were going to pick things up um, now that we're we're able to kind of finally record again. And you had mentioned the series, which was so funny because I forgot it existed. <laughs> like when you said the series, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, that's right. Forgot we had started that because it feels like a goddamn lifetime ago. It really does feel like it was forever ago. And I remember the last time we recorded in person, things were just starting to ramp up and we all were still feeling okay to joke about the pandemic. Right. There's no more joking. No more joking. No, it's it's no more joking. It's no longer a joke. It's officially a clusterfuck. Um, so we kind of want to take today's episode because we did miss everybody. We still miss everybody. I still miss you. You know, like <laughs> I can't wait till we could do this face to face. Yes, I miss humans in general. But so we kind of just want to do like a catch up episode and see what we're doing. What our businesses are doing respectively. And that's kind of it, right? Yeah. And I wish we could hear, I guess, when this episode goes live tomorrow, right? Tomorrow. Yeah. As long as I get my shit together tomorrow. <laughs> um, I definitely want to hear what people have been up to. Yeah. I wish this was like a three-way conversation. Um, but yeah, so be sure if you're tuning in to let us know how life and things and parenthood and spousalhood and business mm. have been going in the comments. Uh, we definitely we definitely want to check in with everyone. Yeah. Um, so you want to kick us off? What's been going on with you? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I mean, I when everything first started, I actually was having my last appointment with Dr. Corey mm. and who's my therapist. If you haven't heard me talk about her in the past <laughs> um, and 
I felt really good on that call. And, you know, I've been working with her for like two and a half years. Right. Really focusing in on anxiety that stems from things that I can't control. Sure. Which is kind of ironic. Uh huh. With so you. we were, this last session was really lighthearted and we joked that I had basically, you know, not knowing spent the last two and a half years planning and preparing <laughs> for something like this and knowing how to control all of those feelings. Yeah. And so I felt really like calm and cool and not super bothered by everything, even though, you know, we were all going through this process of rearranging and changing our routines. Sure. But a couple weeks ago, well, I guess it was more than a couple weeks ago at this point. Shit, I don't know. Once things started, quote unquote, opening back up, Mm -hmm. that I've kind of just been living with this mellow buzz of anxiety Mm -hmm. that it makes itself present in my chest. That's where (laughs) I, I... that's where it physically manifests in me. Yeah. And so I'm like, shit, I gotta go back to Dr. Corey because <laughs> I'm having a problem watching. I think it's the fact that I have to like see other people doing things that I am not doing because I don't think it's the right thing to do. Right. And then like going to from, bars so. and shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So in the, in the grand scheme of things, I would say I'm doing as well as anyone can be. Sure. Personally um, and professionally, I've been super busy. I mean, yeah. that also might be my stretch. I'm really bad at sitting still and being bored. So. I was going to say you like threw yourself into shit tenfold when this kind of all <laughs> started happening. You're like, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> fuck staying inside. I'm going to fill my calendar. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely spent a lot. I've, I feel like I'm just a copywriter at this point. (laughs) I seriously, it's kind of crazy, but I have been trying to create resources and assets for people to lean on right now because, you know, in a time where there's just total uncertainty, I'm seeing a lot I'm seeing and I'm hearing a lot of people tell me that they just don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. They're like, they just have all of the questions. And so it's been a productive outlet for me through all of this to try to be someone that can even just get people pointed in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have the answers. I'm on this crazy train with everyone else. (laughs) but I'm a very opinionated person. (laughs) So I have ideas about what people can do in certain (laughs) situations. So, um, so yeah, so it's been, like I said, I can't, I can't really complain. I also feel like my privilege in general and on our, on all sorts of levels is just, has been more palpable than it ever has been in the past. Yes. Yeah. Right there with you. Yeah. And I I don't know about you, but I definitely talked to some of my uh, friends about it in the beginning when I was really starting to like feel it and notice it. 
was that I had this weird sort of guilt. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like the guilt that I could still work. Mm-hmm. The guilt that I didn't have to like try to get my mortgage put on hold. Yep. Um, the guilt that I could still pay my bills and all of that kind of stuff. And then there was this added layer of my businesses spiking in a good way. Right. Because a lot of people now had the time that they never felt they had in the past to work on their business and not in their business. Totally. And so the fact that people were investing in me when I know that everyone or a lot of people are hurting and struggling and not as fortunate was just uh, emotional soup that I really had to like sit and hold and think about for a long time. Same. I've, I've been kind of on that same journey of like holding space for this guilt that I have for my, my privilege as, as a white woman, you know, and as an affluent white woman, essentially, I guess, uh, compared to, so many other people. Like I, I was just listening to my podcast, um, that I love the pod save America. Do you listen to that one? Yes. And I was listening to yesterday's episode and, and they were talking about education and just talking about how like 40% of the kids who have dropped off from the distant learning since this whole thing started. And those are the kids that don't have internet access or, and go to school for free meals and shit like that. So it's like reading stuff like that. It just, it makes it hard to not get overwhelmed. I think by that feeling of guilt, like, you know, we were the same as you, like we've both been able to work. Well, I take that back. Steven has not been able to work, but he did get unemployment and he got the paycheck protection. So like financially it was like nothing had happened for him And for me, you know, Glitter Guide, I kept working. I kept getting my regular paycheck. The only difference was Rocky was here and Steven was here all day long. So if anything, we had less expenses because we didn't have to pay so much money a month for Rocky to go to school. Um, But, you know, so like, and all things considered, we were were really lucky and are still really lucky during this whole thing. They just shut barbershops down again. So Steven is not working anymore. He was for few weeks, but now he's, he's going to be back home. Um, but I mean, it could be, it could be so much worse. You know, I had, I had a friend in San Diego who passed away from it, her and her father, because they lived next door to each other. And also her husband had it, but he made it through, but like she left behind two kids who are one's Rocky's age and one's a couple years older. And when that happened that for me, that just made everything so real. Like it wasn't any longer like a news headline. Like it was somebody I knew and that I talked to frequently and it's, it made it so scary, you know? Cause it's like, we're like, Oh, well, we're not in New York. We're not in, you know, any of these big hotbed places. Statistically San Diego, yes, we're growing, but even still the numbers are not like astronomical, but there's just like, it's a weird kind of added struggle on top of the anxiety that comes with the fact that we're in the middle of a, 
a global pandemic. It's like, I feel like an asshole for the privilege that I have, even though it's something I was born into. Um, but you know, I think with that privilege, you and I both kind of understand the value of, of using it for good, right. And how we can, and you're, it sounds like you're doing a great thing, helping brands kind of figure out their next steps and their next moves and how to word things so they can show some fucking humanity to their audience. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, cause shit, man, you can't hide anything on the internet. I think we've, we've seen over the past couple of months and brands are getting called out and people are getting fired or resigning and it's it's gnarly it's a gnarly time yeah and the the grad school student that never died in me (laughs) one of the silver linings for me is that side note everyone I have a master's in sociology (laughs) if I haven't mentioned that before (laughs) so this whole concept of privilege is Something that, you know, academically I studied for years. And as a sociologist, it's a core tenet in how you, as a researcher, approach any sort of social situation that you might be, um, you Mm -hmm. know, creating research around and studying. And so I am kind of excited that people are getting this crash course in yeah. In social science. And it's been kind of fun for me in a weird way to help educate people about it. But mm-hmm. one of the one of my other layers of internal like cognitive dissonance to the max is <laughs> I I pass as white. And mm-hmm. I don't talk about my ethnicity very often because I've never really known how to say it without sounding like a dick. I don't know. Like it's just a weird thing to talk about because I've never felt. Well, what what is your ethnicity then for people who can't see your face? face. (laughs) So I look like a white chick. My dad is Irish and my mom is, Filipino. She was born in Manila and she and her family immigrated here when she was a pretty young kid, I think younger than 10. But Mm. on my mom's side of the family, there's also a branch that is my great, great grandmother. And she's from the Virgin Islands. So she's black. Mm. And Mm -hmm. a few years ago, I found out that she was a freed slave. She was a part of the Danish slave trade in the Virgin Islands. And so now I have this, granted the the fact that I learned about her personal history just a few years ago is like new to me. Um, But so I have this conflict about looking white, not being Mm -hmm. totally white because I have my entire life has been this interesting mix of Irish culture and Filipino culture, like going to Filipino parties and like just 
all of that stuff that comes with it. Eating meat on the bone, which grosses my husband out because he grew up in the Midwest and Sam is making a face right now. Um, but I only make that face because I'm oh, vegetarian and all meat grosses me. It doesn't matter if it's on the bone yeah. or not, especially on the yeah. bone though. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's been like, I'm glad that I am in this spot in terms of my educational tools and my skill set and then also my personal experience and how all of those things intersect and can put me in a position to help provide extra value to other people. So um, I definitely have been doing more work just for no dollars because I really feel compelled to just help people on this weird ass journey at the moment. So, yeah. That's awesome. And I think that's so important because like if any, if we can do anything at all right now, it's to help other people because everybody's in the exact same cluster. Fuck. We are just some have it far worse, obviously, you know, than others. Um, my, my brother, he moved to DC, I think t- two weeks maybe before this whole thing happened. And it was, that. yeah. And this was him moving in with his girlfriend who they've been long distance this whole time. And I was like, well, shit, you guys are going to find out if you really like each other now. Oh my God. <laughs> that is zero to zero. Next but he's, um, he's literally like a block away from the white house. Oh. He's, he's very close to the white house and to, where they painted the street to say black lives matter and um, all of this stuff. So he's, it's been interesting to talk to him and see, get his perspective on what's happening, you know, on the other side of, of the country where it's granted the world's worst human lives, but it's, it's been really, really interesting just to see how it affects people differently. And, all of a sudden, you know, like <laughs> all the people who aren't getting paid enough fucking money are the essential ones, yeah. right? Like grocery store workers and stuff. And like, God, we have not gone grocery shopping since March. We've had everything delivered. And every time we do, I'm like, this is my fucking privilege to be able to afford to pay somebody else to take the risk for me to go to the grocery store or to go to target. I literally just got a text from my target shipped shopper who's picking up my cold brew for me. Like if that's not the epitome of white fucking privilege, I don't know what is. Um, and it doesn't even have to be white. It just has to be class privilege, I suppose. But everybody's like, I thought this podcast was funny. I mean, it is funny guys. But let's but pandemics and racial injustice are not no, funny. They're not funny at all. But, you know, right now I think is a very important time for all of us to, you know, do some introspective work, whether that's privately yeah. or publicly, you know? Um, yeah. And figure out how we can do better on whatever scale that is. So yes. If- all you have to quote unquote give right now is just recognizing your privilege and educating yourself mm-hmm. about issues of race and class and 
you know, immigration and sexuality and all that kind of stuff and seeing where in the, the social stack you sit. I think that's totally, that's in my opinion, that's the bare minimum of what everyone should be doing. And unfortunately a lot of people aren't (laughs) doing that. Um, But, you know, seeing, I think one of the the valuable things that comes with that is that you start to see the world in a different way. You, you, you open up multiple lenses to look at any one particular situation and understand how things can play out because of factors that are sometimes totally out of people's control that they were just, like you said, Mm -hmm. you know, you and I are both very fortunate to have been born here in the U S and, you know, born to parents who got, you know, had easy access to education and employment and all those things. Um, And so that puts us on a certain trajectory. And then just to even take a half step back and think, someone is trying to make it and they didn't, they weren't born in an area where, you know, quality education was just assumed that they were going to get right. Like that in itself totally. is super crazy. So we'll get back to the funny stuff, but Right now, today's um, today's episode is about the soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> and so in the beginning of June, too, I did put together a resource guide, um, an anti-racism resource guide for Glitter Guide. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes because um, it has books, podcasts, uh, articles, accounts to follow. Like if you don't know where to start, because it can be overwhelming. You know, there's a lot of fucking information out there. There's a lot of people out there. Um, saying different things, but like, hopefully the resource guide is helpful um, to kind of get you started. And I think the biggest thing for me in all of this, especially on the racial side of things is to listen to black voices because I'm so like, don't listen to me telling you what to do. You know what I mean? Like, don't listen to me telling you how you should act, how you should respond. Like, no, no, no. Take the resources that black people have provided for us and learn from those. Um, and I think that that's something I see a lot of, I see a lot of white women interjecting themselves into the conversation as a thought leader. And it's like, personally for me, I think you can fuck all the way off. Like let black women be the thought leaders and black men be the thought leaders and let us help amplify those voices. If that makes sense, you know, like it's, and to me, that's still just the tone deafness of it all of, of a lot of people, especially on the internet, you know, like they, they think it's really easy to get up on their soapbox and be like, well, here's what you should do to help black people. And it's like, well, why don't you ask black people like before you, you give this advice. And so I, the resources that I compiled are, were all recommended like Rachel. Um, what is her last name? Yes. She had, yeah, she has a lot of great resources. Um, and then I just finished reading Ibram X. Kendi's book, uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist. Highly recommend. Um, 
I know there's like another book out there that a lot of people read, but I feel weird about it because it's written by a white woman. No. <laughs> I'm just like you're talking about white fragility. And yeah. I when I started seeing the pushback on that book, mm-hmm. I immediately called one of my best grad school friends who's actively she's one of the few of us that made it out and act and actually got a teaching job because we all graduated in the pit of the last <laughs> economic depression um but I I had a conversation with her about that because I was so so conflicted so conflicted about it yeah because of reflexivity and understanding your privilege being such a core tenet of sociological research that when mm-hmm. someone is setting out to study a group of people or a culture, one of the first things that they're supposed to do and continue to do is constantly recognize their stance and position in order to keep yeah. the most objective point of view. And so I was like, this is a piece of sociological work and I respect it. But then at the same time, I, I agree with you that Caucasian people and researchers and just fucking opinions and voices should hundred percent be taking a step back and shutting their mouths. Yeah. So um, I think that there's, there's still value in that piece of academic research you just have totally. to come at it knowing that it was written by a white sociologist um, and then yeah. reading all of these other really great pieces written by, you know, black yeah. academics and thought leaders. But the one that I'm reading right now, and I'm such, I'm the opposite of you. You burn through books and I'm like, I'm like five it. pages at a time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I am reading Hood Feminism right now. Oh, I want to read that one. And it's definitely great because it's a very intersectional approach to feminism, which is a whole nother topic. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that if if you, it is the piece that I've read so far that really shows you all of the ways that race and class intersect and how they impact people's lives. Um, so highly recommend that book if you if anyone wants to read. Yeah. I want to read that one. I That's one on my list for sure. Um, Steven's been reading like the biography, autobiography of Malcolm X and like all the like gnarly, like old James Baldwin books and things like that. And he's, <laughs> he's getting very into it too. So we just like sit there at, like with our little, our book party together after Rocky goes to bed. And <laughs> I'm like, I'd, I'm really happy to have somebody who, is as fired up and takes it as seriously as I do, you know? Um, but it's also at the same time on his own journey mm-hmm. for himself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's really, I mean, it's been really attractive. <laughs> I, he, like, he had a conversation with his dad on the phone the other day who, thank God none of my relatives listen to this podcast. Um, but like he, his dad is 80, mm-hmm. going to be 80, and he lives in Arizona. And he is very old, st- old school, staunch Republican, like very much so. And so he and his dad were talking about um, 
I think it was the the riots and stuff that were going on. And, and I listened to him just like calmly and like eloquently explain his point to his dad instead of getting like angry and defensive and which of course would be like my initial reaction because <laughs> that's just the hothead that I am. Um, but, and it was just like, man, okay. Our, our thing right now, like our job is to teach this tiny human that we've created about humanity and about loving all people and valuing and respecting all people, but also being able to talk to our older relatives. It's, it's crazy. Like his dad was receptive to what he was saying. He's never going to change his mind. He's 80. He's, he's been the way he is his entire life. Um, but I've had some really, really good conversations with my mom who is the world's most wonderful human, like hands down, but she's, I shouldn't say, but there's no, but she's the world's most wonderful human (laughs) period. Um, and she's, she's always trying to learn and grow. Like she's not Republican, but she's not Democrat. You know, she's, she's not political. She doesn't like to read the news. She doesn't want to know about this stuff. And, but she loves people. And so just having these conversations with her from what I've been learning has been really helpful just for her to see new perspectives of things that she wouldn't get because God, can you imagine if like all of this pandemic and all of these police killings and everything had happened when there was no social media, like what would be going on right now? It it's, it's crazy. But so it's like these tiny little things, like even if you can just talk to your mom who is not necessarily a racist, but she's not an anti-racist because she's never done the work. It's, it really is like, it might feel like a baby step to you and insignificant, but it's not, it's one person at a time is the way we got to do it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Cause you know, changing, changing culture is something that simultaneously happens from the top down and the bottom up. And so totally. we as individuals are the people who are, you know, affecting change from the bottom, those grassroots movements, those private conversations and yes, they are small pieces to the puzzle, but just because mm-hmm. they're small doesn't mean it's easy. Like having these conversations with people that you love oh, no. is fucking hard. The hardest thing and you uncomfortable. Can do. It's very it, yeah, because it's very easy to debate something with someone you don't give a shit about, right? But totally, then you have that and same especially problem. behind a computer screen. Totally. Or you're just like, your thumbs are going off on Instagram. But to have a a phone conversation or a face-to-face conversation with someone who you've known your entire life is the hardest thing you can do. And so that to me is the most important thing you can do. And it's not like, I don't think that people should, when they, when they are stepping up and stepping out of their comfort zone. I don't think that you should approach those conversations with the goal of like, I'm going to change this person's mind. Cause like you said, that's sure. not going to happen. Like that no. takes changing minds and hearts takes a long time. And so it's more of just 
hoping, crossing your fingers that they actually <laughs> hear what you're saying and that, you know, some, yeah. somehow you stop the in one ear out the other, right? Like that is, yeah. that I think is the goal because it is a long term yeah. forever thing that you need to do. And if you can start to get things to stick in their mind, then that's how you can actually maybe change opinions or perspectives. Um, but it's not going to happen in one conversation. So don't like go out guns blazing. And right. So um, no, because that'll, that'll shut it down real fast. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a minute about Brands and performative racism, anti-racism, oh, not performative wow. racism. That's, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, and just talk about, from your perspective, you know, from a marketing perspective, moving forward, what do you kind of see as like the best course of action? What should brands be doing? Because I can tell you I'm already tired of the performative token black person in my, like, using pictures of black people when you've never used pictures of black people before. Do you know, does that make sense? Like I'm talking specifically, I guess, in my own industry with blogs and websites and stuff that, you know, I check daily and all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's definitely happening in the wedding it's industry like, too. Uh, tokenism. Yeah. And I encourage you to Google it. Cause I'm going to give you a really bad definition of tokenism. <laughs> um, all of my sociology books are upstairs and I'm sitting on the floor of my office but essentially tokenism is when you are using usually people um, in a, mm -hmm. a single class of people and that could be race or sexual orientation you know any of these things yeah. and you're intentionally using them essentially for your own gain or like to legitimize that like you're, you're safe. You're one of the finger quoting, yeah. you're a safe person. Um, you're woke. <laughs> you're woke as fuck. So fucking woke. <laughs> um, and there is a lot of performative anti-racism going mm -hmm. on right now. And I think that if, you, as a business and as an individual, want to make sure that what you're putting out there isn't interpreted as that, that you, that, and I said this before, like, this is a forever thing. This is like, you're changing yeah. your behavior and it started now. So, yes. If it be if you fold it into your conversations and your brand and it is constantly and consistently there moving forward, then you're not being performative. Unless like for some really fucked up reason you don't actually believe in that and you still are just like doing that with your brand, which that I don't even know how to fit those things together in my head. People don't listen to this. Yeah, podcast. hopefully. And if you do, you and I need to have a hard conversation. Um, but yeah, if you just are, you know, if you, sh if there's like a two week block of time where your Instagram feed all of a sudden had a black square and then had a person of color in it and, you know, you reshared a quote from Rachel Cargill, then, and then it stopped, 
that's performative and you need to take a good hard look at why you did that. Um, yes. Not a fucking trend. Not a trend. And this might make some people butthurt, but I'm going to say it anyways. Do it. Say it. You also need to have your own voice. Like there is a, to, to a certain degree, yes, you need to be resharing content that black thought leaders and authors are putting out there. But I'm tired of seeing the same shit shared over and over and over again. Like do the work, have an opinion, mm-hmm. use your voice and say something that is your own. Because when yes. you do that, you are showing people that you are willing to like be a part of the hard conversation and doing the work because you're you're putting yourself out there. And it it is fucking terrifying the first time you do it, the first 20 times you do it cuz you're like, "Oh god, like the trolls are going to come out." But fuck it, you got to use yeah. your voice and share what you've been learning and not just like resharing. So I think that that's a really important piece of making sure that what you are doing as a brand or an individual is not performative. Like you gotta somehow put some, like the most minimal amount of skin in the game. Yeah. And I think if you're worried about it looking performative or like tokenism, I think you kind of have to look at yourself and think why, why do I feel that way? Like, does it feel weird to be sharing this particular value like on my social media channels right now because I've never spoken about it before? It's like, yeah, so it's going to feel a little weird. But if it truly is something that's important to you, those are just the first steps. This is now a part of the ongoing conversation and it's, it's kind of where those core values always come into play. You know, like our core values, a glitter guide, one of them is diversity and inclusion. And it's been that way for the past three years. And it's been a big focus for us. And, you know, we, we, it's something we talk about. It's something we share resources for. It's something we do interviews and whatnot. And, I'm not saying that we're perfect because we're far, far, far from it and have so much more to learn and more to go. But I mean, we're not being reactive in this moment with this movement because it's something that, and I give a lot of credit to Taylor, other Taylor, Taylor with an O, um, for this, for it being a true value that she founded the company on and something that is so important to her and has been at the forefront for the past few years that I've been working with her. Um, And so to see a lot of people and like, you know, I've been watching our competitors very closely and seeing what they're doing and seeing them get ripped to fucking shreds because people are like, I've noticed you've never talked about this before. And I've noticed you've never had a a person of color on your website. So it's, I get it. It's scary to put yourself out there. You know, we've been scared too every time we say something, but it's more important to say it than to just kind of give into that fear of what trolls on the internet are going to say. And I think that it's just important to make it something that is, if it has not been one of your core values and it's something that's important to you and you're going to continue to talk about it, it's time to make it one of your values and reflect it in everything that you do. Marketing, you know, product development, everything 
it needs to be a part of it. And that was with my consulting business politics and my opinions and all that has always been a part of my brand. So there was no need to pivot at all. It was like, all right, people, let's jump into the deep end of this pool. Um, But with SourceCo, even though to varying degrees, we all are political people. The brand itself was never political. And so one of the first things we did was, you know, we updated our core values. We added two additional ones. We made a public statement. Um, We all read it and shared it on Mm -hmm. video and stories because I felt like that was important. Like I'm used to getting on camera and saying political things, but mm-hmm. the other three ladies were not. And I, when I suggested, I was like, look, I know this is going to make you uncomfortable, but I'm basically going to force you to do it because it's for your own good. <laughs> and um, I'm so thankful that they didn't push back and they just, you know, they were, they were up for it. That's a very powerful thing for you, for you as a person and a human being who has a heart to actually say the words and, you know, essentially look people in the eye because you're recording it on camera. Um, So I, the core value thing when we were doing, when I was rewriting that, I was like, Sam would be so happy. (laughs) (laughs) I am so yeah. happy. I'm so but I think proud. that, you know, um, that really is, I'm even more staunchly on the core value train because it really is your company's North star as an organization and as individuals. Yeah. And if you don't want to be political, you don't have to be political. I actually had a conversation with some photographers a few weeks ago and I was like, the way that I see this is you're really just wearing your heart on your sleeve, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you care about other humans, if you care about equality, if you care about what, you know, legal and social justice, like just start wearing your heart on your sleeve and not keeping it to yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's really not political. Like this isn't about who we're voting for, even though we all know who right. we're voting for. Um, like, do you? Do we? There's only two people on the ballot. Just kidding. Even if you don't like him and you liked somebody else, vote for him. Um, yeah, y'all better vote. No, no, I don't like him either because I will find you. Yeah, I don't like either, Cab. No, no, he's worse. Yeah, (laughs) he's Um, sorry, tangent, but yeah, so I think that if you if you look at it from that perspective, then it will be a less scary thing for you to start sharing your values on a regular basis. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it might require, I mean, I'm no one's perfect. I'm not fucking perfect. And so I'm a little, you're a little perfect. You are a little perfect. You are a little perfect. You, you have the perfect podcast laugh. Yeah. I do. I think so. <laughs> Sorry. I laugh too much. I well, it's because I think I'm the funniest person I know, as Steven tells me all the time. He's like, You laugh so hard at your own jokes. I'm like, well, yeah, that's because I think they're funny because I told them. Yeah. 
I'm so stupid. Sorry. Sorry. Continue. (laughs) So, you know, like no one is perfect and myself included. And I know what I need to do to do it better, like to do business better moving forward. Mm -hmm. Part of that is just slowing down because I always move too fast and try to find the path of least resistance. So I'm going to slow my roll. Um, I don't think there is a path of least resistance no. here for for this particular issue. <laughs> no, there's not. And that's okay. So just be along for the ride and be excited yeah. to learn and see the world and humanity and your community in a different way. And it's such a better way. Yeah, it is. And be fully prepared to lose people from it because anytime you take a stand on anything, even if it's not a a quote unquote political issue, but a human issue, you will still lose people. And that's just something you have to be okay with because your values mean more to you than the number of followers that you have um, or number of subscribers, number of clients, whatever it's, it's, having your core values at the forefront of everything. I know I've talked about this a lot and I might sound like I'm, you know, what's the phrase? I don't like saying beating a dead horse. That makes me sad. Um, Yeah, there you go. That's a better one. Um, (laughs) I, when you have your core values at the front of everything that you do and the things that you care about, you will cultivate your ideal audience and, you know, your, your ideal client and, that your market, yes, may get smaller. I know I've watched glitter guides get smaller. I, but you know, it's kind of like, okay, bye, go. Like if you, if these issues are so offensive to you that you feel like you have to unfollow and not be a part of my brand anymore, you probably shouldn't have been here in the first place. And I was not doing a good enough job of communicating my values if you didn't understand where I was coming from since day one. So I think that's something people just have to get comfortable with. And I know it sucks and it's hard because you could see it as like dollar signs walking out the door, but in the long run, it's what is best for you as a brand and as a business owner to just get over it. (laughs) That's my, that's my grad school fueled advice. Get over it. So in the the second part of the series, which was the last one that we did back in March, we broke down, you know, creating the perfect business plan um, that's authentic Mm -hmm. to you and your brand. And then also we talked a little bit about elevator pitches, intellectual property. um, And I think that was it. And so we'll dive back in to that in the next couple weeks, right? Yeah. Um, I... I'm still working now. Steven will be home again, so I can't talk shit about him anymore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, can I tell you something very exciting before we sign off? Although you've probably seen it on Instagram. No, I'm not pregnant, but I have four baby chicks. <laughs> that was my quarantine project. I uh, Steven asked me to go to Cahoots to pick up dog food. And that was his mistake because I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave the house. And he's like, well, I can't make it in time. So he sent me to Cahoots. So to reward my bravery, 
I came home with four baby chicks who I have named Dolly, Loretta, Patsy, and Tammy. And they're very entertaining. (laughs) And he was so mad, but that's a story for another day. (laughs) I wish we could have chickens, but we own half of a duplex. So since we're not a single family home, we cannot. Yeah. Well, I currently go for eating my vegetables, which no bueno. It's so rude. So rude. It's not even cute enough to be a pet either. A gopher. No, no. <laughs> Short sidebar. We were in the backyard a few nights ago and I was sitting in the chair facing one of my vegetable boxes that this gopher has been eating shit out of. Uh-huh. And it was like, like, it was like seven o'clock at night. So not, not dark yet. And all of a sudden I see my little basil plant. It's the only plant in the whole thing. And it's, it's just moving oh, like no. there's a mini block of water <laughs> in my Planter box, so I immediately get up and I'm like, oh, that fucking gopher is in there. But so they never like come out of the dirt. So he was screwing around with the roots. Oh. And the next morning, the basil plant is just gone. What a fucker. Wiped from the face of the earth. That is so rude. It sucks. So, <sighs> yeah. Nature. Urban, urban farming life. Yeah. That homestead life. Oh, I know it well. Yeah, things eat yeah. my You're animals all the time. Or no, they don't eat my animals. They eat my plants. Animals eat my plants. Don't eat my animals. Yeah. Don't eat my chickens. <laughs> don't eat the chickens. All right. Yeah. So I will put show notes up with some links to the resources that we talked about. Get yourself a book. Um, oh, one of the resources I want to put up that's a free resource um, is called the Anti Racism Daily. Have you heard of it? Oh, I have not. Uh, it's by this amazing woman, Nicole Cordoza, and it is so valuable. It's She puts so much work and thought and just content into these daily newsletters, and each one has a different topic. Um, so I'll put the link to go subscribe to that because I highly recommend it. It's been it's been very, very valuable. And you can also become um, a Patreon if you, if you want a – a supporter. I don't know if Patreon's an actual noun. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> noun, verb, vegetable, young. Mm. Um, so I'll put that link in there so you can subscribe to that. I really, really recommend it. And we will be back with a regular episode. Fingers crossed. You know, as long as like nothing breaks or shuts down as long as my child stays out of the house basically (laughs) yeah we need to keep rocky in school in school um but i forget where i was going with this because it's been so long since we recorded a goddamn podcast i don't know how to do it anymore (laughs) so yes we'll be like we'll be on uh instagram i promise to start posting there again as well because I totally let that fall to the wayside during all of this, but you got to, you know, limited resources, guys. Do what you got to do. So prettyokpodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at prettyokpodcast, and we will see you guys soon. Yay. Bye. Bye. Bye.